It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Welcome one, welcome more, welcome all into a brand new edition of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I'm your host, T-O-Double-D, and I'm glad that you could join us this week. How is everybody? Did you miss us? We were gone for a week there with the Memorial Day holiday. I hope everybody had a great and fun time out there. I, I know I did. Got to spend lots of time with my son we spent it in the pool um we found out that which is a cool thing if you didn't know for those of you who have hbo max um if you're a godzilla fan there are some old school godzilla movies on hbo max so jonah had a great time um watching um i believe he watched godzilla versus mecha godzilla godzilla versus hedora um he watched a few I think we watched like two two or three uh last weekend and then we put a whole bunch more on the watch list <laughs> that he wants to check out but they were some of the older ones and uh he was really excited we actually we were looking to see if by any chance i figured it was off already but he wanted to watch uh godzilla versus kong again so we went and we checked on hbo max and we did a search and and we found out that some of the older um movies there's about i believe 10 uh of the older versions of Godzilla are on HBO Max. So that's awesome. I guess, which I didn't realize, I know uh, Turner Classic Movies has has some of the Godzilla franchise, and I guess they're a part of HBO Max. Um, so I guess that's how those wound up there. But pretty cool, pretty exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's nice to, to know that I have those on demand to pull up and watch uh, any time. Uh, I, I, can, I can definitely see... Uh, a couple weeks here when my birthday comes up that that will definitely be one of the things that i that i do is that i, I sit back and and chill out on on my birthday and, and watch one of those godzilla movies for sure um we also checked out a titanic experience um i don't know if i mentioned this on the show or not before but uh jonah is like a massive titanic historian uh i guess when it comes to being a historian the apple doesn't fall far from the tree as they say um but jonah is a uh big time uh for for a seven-year-old he is a, a big time titanic enthusiast and he knows so much about uh the titanic it's actually uh pretty amazing and at, and at times i'm like oh damn um well done son well done um so we went and we checked out this titanic experience and uh it actually has uh artifacts that were brought up from the titanic and there's actually a piece of the uh of the hull hull that's the word i'm trying to get out hull as well um and it was just it was it was really fun um it was it was a neat experience uh we learned i learned uh a lot about the titanic and funny enough I learned it from my son as as we were going we were going through there um uh you know i heard i heard a lot from him about april 15th 1912 uh i heard a lot about white star the white star line um and uh, it was funny because they they were like do you want a tour guide uh when, when we first went in we bought our purchased our tickets they're like do you want a actual tour guide or do you want uh they had like this uh audio uh, tour thing that you could carry around with you and, and I'm laughing to myself because I, I had even made the joke to Jonah's mom prior to us going I was like I don't need a tour guide I have Jonah he knows probably more than than they do um, and it's so funny just because you know he's so young he's seven years old and he just knows so many facts about the Titanic already and about its sister ships and um, I, I mean it's 
it's amazing i mean he knows that it's you know sailing from southampton to new york city he knows that there were over uh 2000 passengers on board he knows that 1500 people died um it, it, you know he he knows that there's a possibility that they might have uh they were in a rush to leave and and they might have forgotten the binoculars and that's why they couldn't see um the iceberg he knows that there was a fire on board which helped it sink faster like just it's it's amazing how much uh how much he knows um and it was just a lot of fun and it just goes to show you like the brain is is such a such a sponge um and he's just fascinated by it. he knows about you know like i said the the sister ships he knows he knows about the olympic and the gigantic i want to say was the other one he's not here right now otherwise i'd actually check with him on air um but i want to say the gigantic was the it was the the titanic the olympic and i want to say the gigantic i could be wrong on that i don't have my historian here with me right now um but it was just we had a lot of fun it was fascinating you know i i love that stuff anybody who knows me knows that i have you know i i, I love i love history um i've worked in museums before um so seeing artifacts and things of that nature is it's, it's amazing uh, seeing things that came up from the actual ocean floor uh from the titanic um it just really it's really cool it's uh it, it was fun we had a lot of fun uh, I, i'll admit the coolest part about it was just watching jonah's enthusiasm as as we went through uh, <laughs> the funniest part was there's a, a little section where you walk through and it's supposed to be like the deck of the cruise line and then you look over and they had some of course these are things i noticed and i like they had some like you could look over the side as if you're looking out into the ocean and they had like pro projected projection uh waves and the ocean over the side and i thought that was cool and i'm actually looking at that um these are the things that i do i'm looking to see like maybe where they have the projectors mounted or where they're facing um and how they're creating the effect uh and i'm looking at it and all of a sudden behind me i hear and i turn around and it's jonah pretending to play the violin like in the movie when the ship is sinking um and that was you know what i mean i mean those are just priceless moments that you just they'll they'll always be burned in my memory and in my heart uh but it was fun you know we, we had fun it was a good memorial day weekend like i said a lot of time in the pool uh a lot of time watching Godzilla movies on HBO Max and a trip to uh, the Titanic exhibit. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had, we had some we had some good times. Um, we've got a great show coming up for you this week. Uh, it's it's action packed. Uh, Saul is going to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs and everything that is going on with that. Uh, we'll talk about the shakeup in Boston as well, um, with Danny Ainge out and Brad Stevenson taking over as a gm and now the hunt is on for a new head coach um wanted to get to this uh nfl note before we jump into before we take a break and jump actually jump into the show and jump into the next segment uh julio jones the atlanta falcons wide receiver is apparently on the move uh he has been traded to the titans well the trade isn't official yet and the trade may not be official by time this show airs i believe they're still working out some details but in case it is official We'll just go ahead and talk about it. Uh, Julio Jones is being traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans uh, in exchange for at least a second round pick. And as I said, the details are still being ironed out, but we know at least a second round pick is involved in the Jones trade. Uh, and this is a blockbuster uh, for Tennessee now. Um, they, they, get a, they get a deep threat, a big play deep threat receiver 
they already have a potent offense, and now they get a big, deep threat receiver for Tannehill to throw to. Uh, and, you know, Atlanta ends up with some some nice value there. Atlanta's in a hole right now. Uh, Atlanta's got to play some catch-up in the division to Tampa and New Orleans. Um, and they're just, they let's let's face it, they're in a rebuilding stage right now. Whether they want to admit it or not, they're, they're in a rebuild. Uh, they have to be in order to catch Tampa and New Orleans. So they, they're going to, you know, ship Jones and uh, get the draft pick the interesting thing and one of the reasons why i uh, wanted to talk about it is i just i there's a connection to julio jones uh and i which is really cool uh it's a small connection but it's still a, a fond memory in my career that i look back on uh, i believe it was 2009 it starts to get a little blurry after a while um but uh 2009 i was covering uh the under armor uh, all-american high school game out at um the disney wide world of sports complex that's where the uh i believe that might have been even been the inaugural year it might have been earlier it might have been oh you know what i'm saying oh nine it might have been oh seven oh eight that i was out there i'll have to go back and look i, I covered it for a few years um but the one in particular um uh, i had a post-game interview with uh the big player the big star of the game and it just so happened to be Julio Jones. Um, so, so there you go. That just kind of shows you how long his NFL career is going and, and how long my media career is going. But again, in the early days, I was out there to cover the Under Armour uh, All-American game. And I got to interview Julio Jones after the game. Uh, he was a senior in high school and I was trying to get out of him. He still hadn't committed uh, so I was trying to, to, to kind of get a feel for him. Uh, and we always had some, we had some fun and, and he laughed. He would, he wouldn't give it up. Uh, he told me he was still in the process of weighing things out. He told me there was a front runner, um, but he hadn't made, uh, you know, an, an official decision yet. And that would be coming soon. And we all know uh, eventually that official decision was, uh, Alabama and, uh, you know, he went on to win a national championship there and then on to the NFL. Um, but so I've always had a soft spot uh, for Julio because, again, at the, as a young kid, um, I was able to to interview him. He was gracious and fun. And, you know, I always look at that same way now, like, you know, with me having a soft spot for, for Austin Rivers and especially with him being on my Denver Nuggets now. Um, it's just a, it's a feel good thing. You know, I, I knew these kids when they were young. I knew these kids in high school. Um, and got to be fortunate enough to cover a portion of their career. Now, granted, Austin Rivers a lot more than just a portion, um, but even Julio Jones, just a portion uh, of his career and be able to, to uh, you know, conduct a post-game interview uh, with a high schooler who, let's be honest, is probably when his career is over, well on his way uh, to the NFL Hall of Fame. I just, uh, I always look back at that as a fond uh, moment in, in my career. And, um, you know, so when I saw that he was traded, um, I'm happy for him. I hope, you know, again, this is a very good Tennessee team. Um, and I hope that Julio has a chance to make some big waves there and, uh, you know, possibly put this this team in contention for the Super Bowl. Uh, I would love to see him play on the grand stage. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens for Julio and uh, we'll see what happens for the Titans and the, and the Falcons as well. As I said, the Falcons have got to play some catch up in the South uh, to Tampa and New Orleans. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but... Like I said earlier, I got a lot of show for you uh, coming up. There's a lot to discuss on this week's episode since we were away for a week. So without any further ado, stick and stay. Don't go anywhere. Random thoughts and best regards. We'll be right back in just a short, short. 
Right now on the show, I'd like to go ahead and dig a little bit deeper into the Tokyo Olympics coming up in uh, just a matter of weeks now, uh, a little over a month away from the Tokyo Games. We talked about this uh, two episodes back, I believe. It might have been episode 49. Um, I talked about the situation in Tokyo in terms of the vaccination rate. I talked about um, if the games were in peril or not and, and what the reality of the games actually taking place were. Um, the Olympic Committee and the Japanese government seemed pretty adamant on pushing forward with these games no matter what and making sure the games happen. And uh, as a result, I wanted to do a little more digging, a little more research to maybe have some more answers because when Again, when I did that segment uh, two episodes ago, um, it seemed I seemed to come out of it with more questions than actual answers. So I decided to do a little more digging, and uh, this is what I came up with. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, we're just a few weeks away um, now, uh, less than 50 days. If you're looking for a day number, uh, less than 50 days away from the Tokyo Games. They begin uh, July 23rd. Uh, Japan is battling its fourth wave uh, of of the of the uh, of COVID, basically uh, of the coronavirus. They're battling their fourth wave. Uh, Japanese cases are declining since May, uh, which is a good thing because in May the average case rate per day was about seven thousand. Uh, so Japan was averaging 7,000 cases per day back in May. Uh, it is now down to 3,000 cases per day. So that's a significant drop. You look at you, you know, uh, that's a f- roughly a 4,000 case drop per day. That's significant. Uh, when you look at that, that's significant. So perhaps some of the state emergencies and the lockdowns that Japan has put in place uh, to try to salvage the Olympic Games are actually working. Uh, I'll, I'll credit. I'll credit the Japanese government with that. If these numbers are accurate and these numbers are true, that's a large drop off, and a lot of that is due to um, the the um, lockdowns or the provisions, sort of, that they've put in place on on the nine uh, provinces or territory territories uh, areas in Japan. Uh, because again, in May they were averaging seven thousand cases per day. Uh, and now that's down to about 3,000 per day. Again, that's if these numbers are accurate, that is a significant drop-off. Um, they continue uh, to push forward uh, on having the Olympic Games. Uh, five sports have successfully held test events under emergency protocols. So five sports have held events uh, in Tokyo, uh, kind of as a test run. And according to the Olympic officials and Japanese officials, Uh, These were a success under emergency protocols. Um, So there is that. Uh, As I mentioned last time, there was a petition being signed uh, against the games by by local people in Japan. Uh, Upon further research, it appears that surveys have been taken and 80% of the Japanese population is in favor of postponing or canceling the games. That's a large number. Uh, 80% of the Japanese population uh, is in favor or of postponing or canceling the games. Foreign visitors have been banned from the games. Uh, a final decision will be made in June. Uh, we are now just about two weeks into June, uh, but a final decision will be made in June about local spectators. 
so I guess Olympic officials and Japanese officials will decide uh, based on numbers and vaccination rate and things of that nature if they will allow local uh, spectators at the Tokyo Games. Um, the decision on overseas, spec- overseas spectators, uh, listen to this number, the decision on overseas spectators affects, wow, talk much, Todd? Um, let me start that over. Uh, the decision on overseas spectators affects uh, over 600,000 ticket holders, about uh, 630,000 ticket holders. That's huge, right? You think about that. You think about, I mean, think about any Olympics and think about how well they're attended and, and travel and, and tourism and everything else. Uh, 630,000 ticket holders uh, affected by the decision to essentially ban overseas spectators. So we'll see what happens with local spectators. We'll see how many are allowed. And uh, if any will be allowed at all, it will certainly create an interesting challenge on multiple levels uh, from a TV and production standpoint. How do you package um, these types of events when when there's no crowd? And uh, for the athletes themselves, now a lot of these athletes uh, over the last year may be used to uh, some sort of performance or competition. Um, I know competitions really haven't started up uh, only, you know, except for the last few months, but I'd assume they are going to have to get used to perhaps the silence uh, or, or empty venues. And, and, you know, how do you prepare for that? A lot of times the crowd is what gives you adrenaline and, and gives you a rush. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, basketball, you know, you think about uh, basketball at the Olympics, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, when Team USA is on the floor and, and the the, the, um, the lesser known country with a lesser known basketball program, you know, starts making a little run. The fans can seem to get behind them and get some energy going. You wonder how that is going to affect certain situations. Uh, same things with, with, you know, sprinters and the roar of the crowd and all that. You know, how's that going to affect things if uh, we're looking at empty venues uh, in Japan? So, so we will see. We will see uh, who from a local standpoint, is allowed to attend these games, if anybody at all. Uh, Japan is currently expecting 59,000 visitors. So when I say they're expecting 59 visitors, that includes media, uh, broadcasters, athletes, coaches, and officials. So that is the the number that Japan is looking at uh, in terms of influx, uh, tourism, whatever, however you want to phrase that, uh, that Japan is looking at. 59,000 visitors. So again, that includes media, broadcasters, athletes, coaches, and officials. Uh, the only team thus far to withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. People are going to make fun of my New Jersey accent. Uh, the only team to withdraw from the games so far is North Korea. They did that on April 6th, and they said that was out of an abundance of concern for the safety of athletes and uh, the people. Uh, of Japan. Uh, so North Korea has decided to not attend the games. Uh, Japan has a 5 5% now of their population vaccinated. So that's up 3% from the last time I did this report. Uh, because I believe last time I did this report, only 2% of the Japanese population was vaccinated. They now, uh, so you figure that was two episodes ago, so you say maybe about three weeks, two, three to four weeks ago, um, was when I had that information. So in about a month, We'll give them a month because when I had that report, could have been a couple of weeks earlier. Um, but we'll be kind here and give Japan a month. In a month, their population, uh, uh, their their vaccination rate 
amongst the population has gone up three percent. Uh, so we've gone from five from two percent to five percent uh, since the last time I did a report on the vaccination rate in Japan. Pfizer and BioNTech have donated vaccine for athletes and officials. So that is in a hope. The, the, the hope is, honestly, the hope is that as many athletes for, for Olympic officials and Japanese officials, the hope is that as many athletes as possible come vaccinated. So the hope is that for those who want it, it is made available to them. Now, obviously, you are going to have those who, for whatever reasons, religious beliefs or just political beliefs or any beliefs whatsoever, uh, may choose not to be vaccinated. Then that is a situation that Olympic officials will handle separately. Um, but they would like as many uh, Olympic athletes to be vaccinated as possible. So Pfizer and uh, BioNTech have been a huge help here in stepping up and um, donating uh, free vaccines for uh, athletes and officials. So that's that's a huge help, and uh, you know we'll see. Hopefully, uh, a lot of the athletes take advantage of that. You know, you can pretty much bet that most of our Olympic athletes here in the U.S., if they want it, they'll be available to get it here. But you know, but there are some countries that don't have the accessibility that we have here. So um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, one question that I did have the last time I spoke about the Olympics and I was able to get a little more information is what is the Olympic Village going to be like? Will there be bubbles? Will, will there be vaccinated versus non-vaccinated? Like, how are these things going to work? Uh, this is my understanding so far, and it's limited information, but this is what I do have, which is more than I had last time uh, I spoke about this. Uh, athletes will operate in, a, in biosecure bubbles and will need to record two negative COVID-19 tests before arrival. Athletes will not be permitted to take public transport or visit restaurants and have been told to arrive no more than five days prior to competing and leave no later than two days after they are finished. Athletes do not have to quarantine on arrival. However, uh, the uh, World Athletics President Sebastian Coe has expressed his confidence uh, in these protocols being robust enough to prevent any spread of COVID. He did admit the experience will be sterile for the athletes, which is what I wanted to talk about. For these athletes who lived the Olympic dream, uh, this now becomes an interesting situation, right? Because it is just strictly business right now, right? Like, you know, I think back to 08, um, you know, uh, when, when Angela Moreno was at the Olympics and I think about talking to her from the Olympic Village and I think about all her experiences and all the things that went in to not just competing but the experience as all, a lot of that's being stripped away right like there is going to be no sightseeing for these Olympians there is going to be you know no fun dinners enjoying the local cuisine there's no going to be out and about taking in all the ambiance you are there to do a job you are there to compete uh, and then to leave right I mean that's essentially what what you you come in you do your job, you compete, you leave. That's what your Olympic experience in Tokyo is going to be like. It's unfortunate because I'm sure Tokyo would be a wonderful host for Olympic Games under a normal situation. Um, so that that's tough breaks right there. Um, but I understand why they have put this in place uh, and, and, and why they're trying to to get, you know, to get this these games to take place i imagine it's going to be a huge undertaking right if they can't take public transport they're going to have to have all kinds of transportation for the athletes to and from uh the venues you're going to want to make sure that those environments are sterile and clean um 
you know, you're going to be, your, your eating is going to be limited. Um, you know, I think about, um, and I remember, I, I, I've heard the stories, but I remember even uh, Angela telling me the stories about eating um, in the Olympic Village. Uh, I remember her telling stories of, you know, Usain Bolt with the chicken nuggets. Like, that that's a true story. We've heard that story a lot. Uh, even she vouches and, and tells that story. It's pretty funny. Um, but, you know, there's, there's just, um, there's so much, um, there's so much of the experience that's going to be taken away from these athletes. It's unfortunate, you know, for, for those who, who, uh, were in Rio in, in 2016 and got to have a full experience, you know, now this is going to be very different in 2020. And for those who have never had the experience, and this may be their only experience, um, you know, you're, you're, yes, you're, you're still getting the opportunity. The opportunity is not being completely taking, taken away from you, which, right. I guess that could be, that could be the silver lining. I mean, the alternative here is that you have no experience at all, right? If you're just, you know, if you're, if you're an Olympian and this is your one-time experience, you know, sure, it may not be a full experience, but at least it's something instead of nothing. Um, you know, I guess, I guess that's a takeaway that we have to look at here. Um, but again, we are over a month away and we're still not solid on this happening so you know we'll, we'll continue to keep a pulse on this here at random thoughts and best regards and you know i, I hope that the tokyo games do actually take place uh, you know on july 23rd i'm, I'm looking forward to it and I, I hope i'm you know able to enjoy uh whatever they're going to be um you know i wish for these athletes that uh, i wish them the best of luck i wish them health and safety and i, I look forward to to hopefully watching them compete but there is still a lot of work uh, to be done in Tokyo and a lot of work to be done by Olympic and Japanese officials. So I wish them well in those endeavors. How do you throw a party in outer space? You plan it. All right, right now on Random Thoughts and the Best Regards, it's time to take it to the hardwood once again. And who better to do that than with my good buddy, Sal. Welcome to the show. Yeah, buddy, I love coming on here. Yeah, <laughs> we we got we got a lot to talk about today, yeah. buddy. Oh, I'm telling uh, you, there is there is there's lots of stuff going on. Um, there's there's so so I want to talk to you. I'm kind of going to run down the things that I want to talk to you about, and then we'll we'll try to get to them all. Uh, I, I I got to talk to you about the the Bucks and and the Nets. Uh, clearly, we got to talk about the Clippers and the Mavs game seven today. We got to talk about. Um, what's going on in Boston and the, the changing of the, of the guard there, so to speak. Um, we can talk about, if we have time later, we can talk about the Orlando Magic looking for their 15th hundredth head coach um, we <laughs> yeah, could talk we could talk we, we could talk about your Knicks there's there's a lot of things uh that we can talk about but I do kind of want to talk about where we are now uh officially fully into the second round today uh we will get to that Clippers Mavs games uh seven in a minute which officially sets up the Western Conference second round for us um but I want to try to go through each game with you uh in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference kind of get your your thought on uh where you think it's going and what the conference finals can look like. Um, but I'm going to ask you to indulge me here for a second. And let's start with Milwaukee and Brooklyn, because coming out of that Milwaukee series with Miami, I thought, I thought we had a different Milwaukee team. Um, I, again, it's words are words and, and, and play is play, but I love that mentality uh, afterwards 
uh, from Giannis when when he was like, "Well, you, you know the old saying, don't play with your food. Uh, we're not going to leave food. Oh, yeah. We're not going to leave. We're not going to leave food on our plate." Like to me, that was like th- those are like championship quotes, like championship words. And I was like, "Holy crap! Maybe the Bucks have finally." Um, they've, they've got a chip on their shoulder, which is what you're going to need to take down a team like the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, this is a super team that's created. So clearly you have to be that, um, you know, in this sense, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're kind of the Rocky Balboa here in the mix. You you have to, you're going to have to come out aggressive. You're going to have to come out throwing punches and you're going to have to have a fighter's spirit. So I, now, while I kind of all along have felt the Nets were still going to win this series, I thought, well, the Bucks have a fighter's chance because also a man that I've criticized a lot and I put him kind of in that that playoff P category was was Middleton. I said Middleton had to step up. Clearly he did against Miami. We get into the Nets game. Um so Sal, what 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 do we do we want to talk about um we can talk about them we can talk about the Bucks doubling the ball, which I can I can almost understand, but then it's against a team like against a team like the Nets like pick your poison but you can't double the ball and then constantly allow them to find the open man and you not react uh, we could talk about the wasted possessions which were the three pointers um, I think at one point they were like 17% from the three point line and 60% from the paint and they just kept refusing to go inside there was no ball movement uh, the, like eight minutes into the second half uh, I don't I think they barely had like any kind of ball movement. It was all ISO ball. Um, the point where I completely got disgusted and I text you about it was uh, KD had four fouls uh, early in the third. And instead of going at him, they went away from him and still continued to, to shoot from the outside and um, adjustments, you know, to me in the playoffs, adjustments are made by quarter. And in these playoffs so far, um, you know that's not the case for two teams at least and one of them is at home already and that's the bucks and the lakers so those are two teams that clearly don't make adjustments by quarter and are very stubborn with their style of play um so again in all of this i realize that's a lot of word vomit i just threw at you Um, no no you're good you're good but i guess what i'm trying to say is and i realize there's a lot of series left um but with the Nets winning this 115 to 107, this score looks and sounds a lot. Uh, I'd be honest, honest. Uh, 34 points in 35 minutes. Uh, Middleton with 13 points. Uh, Holiday with 17. Brooke Lopez with 19. But again, frustration here. Lopez and Holiday, well, basically at every position, the, the Bucks have a physical advantage, but they don't want to play bully ball. Uh, especially when it comes to Lopez and Holland. <laughs> yes. Understand why they're not taking advantage of that. So I based off of what I saw last night, and I realize there's more to be played, and they say a series doesn't start until, you know, the, the visiting team wins on the home court. But uh Sal, I feel like the series is over already. All right. So this is one thing that, that stood out to me. Uh Giannis, right? Mm-hmm. Thirty four points, thirty five minutes. Uh, 11 rebounds, uh, all defensive rebounds, no offensive rebounds for James. Mm-hmm. Um, also, even with a 34 and 11 stat line, while he was on the floor, my man was the, the, the he, he was a minus seven. <laughs> yeah. His plus minus minus seven. So yeah. immediately, I want to go to you know his uh, 
field goal percentage because I'm like, all right, what is this guy shooting? He he usually shoots, you know, high a high field goal percentage because mm-hmm. he's around the rim, around the basket. He's bigger and stronger than everybody for the most part of that position and, and, and quicker. So, you know, quick, easy basket. So he's 16 for 24. And I was like, Man, that's not too bad. But then I'm looking and then I look over. Why is Giannis shooting five three-pointers when we all know that he cannot shoot threes? So then... Um, you know, and, and this was me. Have you ever seen that, like, uh, Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny Philadelphia? <laughs> yes. the meme? You know, he's yeah. just, like, he looks crazy in his hands. Okay. And he's got the, I, you know, the string board I up. shit you. I shit you not. I was watching it before we started yeah. recording. So, <laughs> so yes, yes, continue. Perfect. So, that, so, you know, this is me now looking at everything. This is what I'm, what I'm doing right now. Because it's like, now what we got to do is the reason that Giannis shot all that is because the book is out on Giannis yeah. for two seasons in a row. All you got to do is back up, form that wall. Don't let them get in the paint and 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 either make them shoot or or, or distribute. Now, when he's distributing, Drew, Drew Holiday can't go two for seven from three point. <laughs> yeah, three point line. That's what I mean. Like like, I'll, I'll let you finish and then I'll yeah, continue well, my rant. Yeah, I mean you know, so he can't go two for seven from three point line. Like these guys got to hit shots. And then at the same time, you got Chris Middleton, who went six for twenty three. Missed all five three-point shots that he took. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Had 13 points in the game. And like you said, he is the key for this team. But the reason that he does so well is because Giannis gets to penetrate. And again, here we go. Like, people forget how... You know, when you don't overcomplicate things and you keep it simple, how the game opens up. And I love you, man. I really, I, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I'm yeah. telling you, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And no. Got, no. It. Yeah. It was frustrating me so much like yesterday. Giannis sucks in the defense. Yes. And, and then you can distribute. Open. <laughs> yes. That, that's yes, all it is. Yes, yes. This isn't rocket science. Folks. Yes. This isn't like. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the Charlie meme right now, trying to describe to you, you know, the Princeton offense, because yes. what the Princeton offense essentially is, is you're getting a guy on the back door in the lane, open, Drive. you can there, draw the defense in. So there if is nobody the layup, kicks it out. There is nobody on the nets who can who can front or handle Giannis. No, so you're you got a terrible three point percentage for the game. Put the ball down and drive and like you said you're going to open it up now the caveat is like you said you're going to need the 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 holidays and the middletons to hit their shots but you're going to have a much higher percentage if you do that than than what they were doing than them than shooting contested shots because and, the because the nets play a really good perimeter defense well, but I mean, but but hold on, but so that's the thing. You're just saying the Nets played really good perimeter defense. Well, yes, they did last night. The Nets are not a good defensive team. No, and they're not. Yeah, and they're not. And I was like, how is this happening? The book. I'm telling you, the book <laughs> is out on Giannis. They did it. They did it. Uh, who knocked them out last season? Miami, and that's what. So thank you, because yes. that's what I was gonna say. I was watching the game last night. And I was like, this is the same. I am watching the same team that lost to Miami last year. They're playing timid and they're playing scared for no reason. They are the bigger team. They are the more physical team. And they're playing scared to a bad defensive team. That's what was blowing my mind. But you know, the Nets are going to get theirs on the offensive end. I'm we all know give, that. I have to. And, and, and also they're down uh, James Harden. But listen, mm-hmm. you, I, I, you got to give props. To um, 
uh, Kyrie Irving for stepping mm-hmm. up, and you got to give props to KD for stepping up. They played a um, lot of minutes. They played 40, a lot of minutes. 40 in that minute, game. Yeah, 40 and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what you want from your stars. And that's what you want for these guys to like, hey, we're going to take our, we're going to, we're going to put the team on the back, on our backs, and, and, and we're going to get through this. You know, it, I'm, it's crazy too because. They didn't play DeAndre Jordan, coach's decision or whatever, you know, DMP. <laughs> and, and and you're and you're playing a team that's I mean, he, way bigger than you are. I mean, you're not worried. Well, let, you're me, not worried. let me let me let me let me so so at center yesterday was Blake Griffith and at yes. forward the other forward was Joe Harris. Yes. Blake went for 18 and Harris went for 19. How Blake went for 18 and 14. How Blake went for 18 and 14. 14 rebounds. It was all star. It was Clipper all star, Blake. You know, this isn't this isn't 2010. Bro, he's just finessed everybody. That's all. He's been finessing everybody. It's stuck in, you know, uh, over in the doldrums in Detroit. And then, like, now all of a sudden, but you know, and, but and real and side note, I. It makes me so mad when I see something like that because I, you know, like how entitled do you have to be? You're in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you give that team your best? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, why would you not give that team your best? Why would you decide, oh, I'm not going to dunk anymore, you know, for mm-hmm. two years? Why would you decide to just shoot? Like, when, like, why would you do that? Getting paid all that money, they decided to take that contract and they're still paying you. Yep. Like, you should be ashamed and embarrassed of yourself if you're just going out there to just like he doesn't want he doesn't doesn't want to wear down he doesn't want to wear down the tread on the tires basically that's what he's telling you i i I mean i'm not saying i'm not saying i disagree with you i'm just saying that's i think that's his standpoint he didn't want to wear the tread on the tires for a loser franchise well but don't make it a loser franchise then exactly and with him i mean could you imagine (laughs) if these guys play the way you know that they should but like Mm -hmm. people would want to come to Detroit then and play alongside mm-hmm. him. They're like, oh man, this is a new Blake. Like, all right, we could, but it, any, you know, but whatever. That's besides the point. These guys are just, you know, it is what it is. But, um, but yeah, I, listen. Do you, if you're the Nets, and this is a serious, I'm not, if you're the Nets, and chances are you, you may honestly physically not be able to, but even if there's a question, if you're the Nets, do you even bother playing Harden in this series? I know we're just one game in and there's a lot of series to go, but do you even bother playing Harden, or do you just let him rest up in hopes that you're going to be in the conference finals? He's out. He's out with the with the hamstring hamstring thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, are you actually trying to get him back for the series, or are you like, well, let's see how Game Two goes, and then you know maybe we can I just shut you down for the I rest think, of the. Yeah, I think they'll see how Game Two goes. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, it offensively there. There's no stopping these. There's, there's no stopping this team. It's crazy. Really I hate isn't. to say that. There um, really isn't. I watched it last night and I was yeah, like, "This is ridiculous." There just isn't. Like KD, KD can get his shot up on on Giannis anytime he wants. Mm-hmm. I saw. I mean, I saw that. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I forgot. KD is that dude." Like, yeah. Everybody forgets just because I guess uh, maybe he was hurt half the year, right, or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, we didn't. We haven't seen him really play. You know, everyone just thinks. Listen, he's he's that guy when he's on yeah. the court, and like he's, he's he looks like he's that man. So, yeah. yeah. And then you've got someone like Kyrie, 
um, who listen offensively. Hey, it is what it is. He, I mean, three, four, eleven. He looked, he looked but, good last night. There, there, there were a couple. There were a couple times where I was like, okay, he just carried. He literally palmed the ball and turned over your hand. But I don't uh, know how they don't. Call but that. but don't. I'm like, everything else leading up to that was fancy as hell. So I'm gonna give you. I was like, I, I'll give it to you. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the only thing that I will say is, uh, and I mean, again, there there's so many subtleties to the things that he's doing. There there are times where you actually have to like when they do the replay, they have to slow it down so you can see everything that he's actually doing. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm also I will say this: I'm also going to need the Brooklyn crowd to stop ooing and oing every time he like. Sometimes it's a generic pass, and they're still like, ooh, because <laughs> it's a bunch of like uh, no. gentrified millennials. Save that. Save, save, save that, man. Save that. For when he does do the fancy stuff you know they've never seen anything they don't play sports they're just like amazed like oh my goodness. i was like yesterday i was like all right now it's getting to be a bit much like oh, okay but Mets uh, fans aren't real basketball fans everyone knows that man. like everyone knows that they're just it's so it is it is <sighs> it is it's so there's there's a couple things it makes it it's i i can't this is gonna sound so petty <laughs> of course of course now i even though i you know even though my allegiances were were you know never to the new jersey nets again being from new jersey it's i used to go to new jersey nets game so it still kind of stings a little that the team moved to brooklyn um yeah. but then i can't stand the uniforms I, I can't stand the uniforms so if if they make me a deal and they wear the retro ones that they've been wearing the the old new jersey nets ones with like the the tie-dye blue that Oh, I love those. Then it, right, too. then it makes it easy. It makes it easier for me to root for them. Um, but I can't when they wear the black. I don't just some. So I, there, I was watching the game today, and we'll get to the Clippers in a little bit. Um, but I was like, my God, if it's the Clippers, and I'm not saying by any chance I think it's going to be the Clippers, but if it's the Clippers and Brooklyn, and the Clippers wear those black uniforms, oh my God, it's all going to be so terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but um, I, let's talk good. about that Clipper game because I. <laughs> You know, listen, if Kawhi is playing, I that third quarter, that third quarter, you saw finals MVP Kawhi. Yeah. So, sure. so to your point, man, and, and, and so let, let's, let's dig in. And, and I think you're going to go to where, where I'm going. So, uh, Clippers Mavericks game seven, um, the road team has won every game in the series so far, which brought us to today. Uh, and, and the Clippers being at home at Staples. Um, but, so this this was huge. So game six and seven were absolutely huge for the Clipper franchise in the sense that if if they don't win this series, so it's over. The experiment is over. You cannot go, you know, like last year, PG sat in the in the press conference after blowing that three one lead to Denver and said, you know, well, we weren't built to win and win now. Uh, excuse me. Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and secondly, now if this is year two, and you go out in the first round, and you kind of wait, wait, you, wait, wait, wait. You, you kind go of out in the first round after you tanked. Tank. I was gonna say. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say you sandbagged. You sandbagged to get that yeah. to get that position to get that four seed. You sandbagged. You and Denver were literally playing games there at the end of the season yep. to see who was going to get to that spot. You literally put yourselves like we said it a couple weeks ago on the show. It's hard to believe, but the Clippers put themselves in the best position to make it to at least the conference finals, if not the finals. Um, 
it all it all was going to be over. You've got Kawhi on an on an option year. Like if they lose, Lou gets fired. This team gets blown up. You know, like maybe maybe Kawhi. Obviously, I I, I don't think Kawhi would. Re- I don't know. Maybe he would resign. Maybe he would opt out. Uh, Kawhi leaves, and then think about it. Like th- th- what that means. Like this this was a team that thought they were going to overtake the Lakers. Like the fan base and everything else. Like Steve Ballmer. Like when they signed Kawhi. They thought this was going to be the move that turned the Clippers franchise around and and took over the city of L.A. Now, we all know that's pretty much not going to happen. Any like, I mean, it's it, no, it's not. You know happen. what I mean? It's it's like. But this it, is their it, year. it's like this it's is, like New York. Year. New York is, you know, New York is always Yankees. Doesn't matter if the Mets win the World Series. It's still a Yankees town. Kind of same thing. It's always going to be it's always going to be a Lakers town. But in the Clippers head, they want to think they can overtake it. Um, and I'm not trying to be overdramatic here, but these last two games were huge. And rightfully so. Everybody was banging on Kawhi saying, where is Kawhi? Maybe he's not the guy. Maybe he does need help. Maybe he's just a role player and he needs that. Maybe he's a Robin and, you know, maybe he's not the Batman. Maybe we've been fooled. You know, all these things, all these talk shows, that's all you heard all week long. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sal, but he showed up in game six and seven. Oh, that he, was the Kawhi. That, that, is, that was, that was NBA finals MVP, mm-hmm. like Kawhi Leonard. Like, uh, I, I, and this is and this is when you know when he's like really playing. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but you, did you see him uh, go down to chase down every rebound? Yes. Um, especially in the third quarter. I mean, every time someone shot it, he's going. I mean, that one specifically that end one play that I don't know they might have they might have took back the 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 basket he made. Mm, yeah, yeah. He yeah. flies in, surrounded by four Mavs jerseys, like Boban and. And Porzingis are down there. They're both above set. They're both two seven foot mm-hmm. footers. Like, and like he just gets the rebound and gets fouled, and then you know follows his shot. I mean, it is that that was Finals MVP Kawhi. You saw uh, this is another thing I noticed, which was which I thought was kind of funny because um, it goes to show that Kawhi is that dude. Paul mm-hmm. George is not. No, no. And Paul George was forcing a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. that second half. I guess maybe trying to you know find his rhythm, but he had just, uh, he had twenty mm-hmm. points. But to you, to, I know what you're saying. That's the Paul George that we're used to seeing. The forced shot, the not fault. Like it was, a, it was a hard. I don't know if this makes any sense unless you watch the game. I know clearly you did, but it was a hard twenty for 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 playoff P. Um, yeah, pandemic. P, <laughs> yeah, um, Kawhi though, forty five points in forty two minutes, one hundred four to ninety seven. Clippers win the game. They went on a twenty. What was it? Twenty-four to four run in the third quarter. Yes, yeah, ridiculous. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh wow, they okay. This is really going to happen right now." Like, and they did. It. They did the two key things, and this will get lost in the shuffle. But the Clippers did the two key things that you need to do uh, to ensure a win in a, in a game seven. Saul, and that's they play defense and they hit their foul shots. They were like 22 of 22 from the foul line. I don't think they missed a foul shot the entire game. So if you do those two things and you just play your game, you're going to win in a game seven. And that's clearly that's clearly what happened. Um, and and what a what a turnaround now, mm-hmm. right? For this for this Clippers 
for this Clippers who, who are they team. Playing if, now in the they round? they go and they play the Jazz, which That's, can oh be my a winnable series if Kawhi is Kawhi. So here's what's gonna happen though. Here's I, we're gonna have to circle back to it because you know what I'm gonna say. Kawhi is gonna be Kawhi, right? But you know what's gonna happen on the other side of the floor. Mitchell's gonna be Mitchell. So who does that put the pressure on, Saul? Oh, I mean, step up, pandemic P. <laughs> and I have a and I have a feeling that Jay Crowder might have something to. Oh no, Jay Crowder's in Phoenix. I thought in Phoenix. Yeah, we'll get to that series in a minute because that yeah. one's going to be a blast. I'm um, trying to think. I mean, who 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 do they have on on the wing? Who's I mean, who's Utah got that? What what is it? Bogdanovich and uh, and Joe Ingles. And they, yep, yeah, they've they've got Bogdanovich uh, and they've got Ingles. Um, mm. I mean, they got the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. I mean, to be honest with you, this is something that uh, that the Clippers should win. I agree. I agree. <laughs> should, but should, but oh man, oh it, man. But I mean, they were. I, I, it's just crazy to me, and and I hope this was their, like they were they were on the brink of of an implosion. Um, now they have signs of life obviously they'll go into this utah series um and again i feel i i'm like you i feel like the clippers should win this series um but there too they struggled with dallas i keep saying though i think maybe i didn't respect dallas enough um and and i think you know when i look at it from the other stamp you know we were talking about sandbagging and everything else I think Denver was smart because Denver was like, oh, no, you know, we don't want to we don't want to play Dallas. We'd rather play Portland, Uh, (laughs) you know, uh, where the the Clippers, they kind of asked for it. And then they found themselves in in a dogfight. Well, Luca, Luca is amazing. Um, Luca also is not as good as of a shooter as uh, as I guess he thinks he is. Yeah, he's, you know, funny enough, like Luca. Luca doesn't remind me of, of Larry Bird at all. Uh, no, I don't. I, I like, agree with you. I think a lot of people just think that because he because he trash talked in the first like game or two and scored forty five. But I mean, Larry did that pretty consistently. Yeah, I don't. You know, and, and whatever, maybe six seven, six eight. You know, tall mm. white kid. I, he's not. You know, Larry. Larry would walk by you and say, and in fact, I forget what the one particular story is, but there is one story I forgot who they were playing where Larry literally walked by the bench and said. I feel like scoring 45 tonight and then scored 45 by like the third quarter and came out of the game and didn't play for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah. So, you know, Larry, Larry, I, I, and don't get me wrong. I love Luca's game. Um, but Larry, Larry's on, on a different level. And I often say this, I, I think, um, the, the, the current, the, the, the younger generations, uh, they hear a lot about, you know, magic and Jordan. I, I, I don't think they fully understand or don't think they can fully understand. Like what Larry, Larry was, yes, really yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Like yep. I think that gets lost sometimes. Yes. but on, Luke, on, the, on the young generation, yeah, Luca, Luca's not Larry. Luca's game. If we, we want to be honest, and like if people, if listen, all I'm saying is if you really watch basketball, um, Luca's game is more like LeBron's. Yeah, right? and a lot of people, distributor, gets to the rim. You know he's not as athletic because LeBron will jump out the gym. You know what I mean. But Luca's game is more like LeBron's. I'm telling you, it's like he's just a just a tall point guard, and it's well, not. You know, and, and they both can't really shoot. 
Like they both probably shoot yeah. the same from three point line. Uh, so I, I, you know, this whole Larry Bird comparison, people really need to stop because uh, don't disrespect the bird. <laughs> like you know, I, like- I I also feel like now, so so on on the, on the graphics today a lot. It was. Um, uh, Kawhi uh, and, and I'm still gonna keep calling playoff feet. It was Kawhi uh, and playoff feet, and then, on, and then on on the other side, it was it was Luca and uh, Porzingis. Um, can we take Porzingis off the graphic from now on, please? Yeah, because, I don't know why. He's up there. Because man, this you know. man had seven points today. Meanwhile, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 23. So I think he's we can see. Nothing. I think we can see where Luca's help is coming from, and it's not the unicorn. No, it is not Chris. That that's what he gets for bouncing out in New York. You know, I mean, people want to say we lost that trade. I think not, my friends. I think not. No, but whatever. No. Yeah, Kristaps yeah. might. You know, he's, he's just not. Uh, maybe they're just not gelling as well as as uh, you know everybody thought they would in, in Dallas. I'm. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it ain't working. Let's let's stay in the West for a minute uh, before we go over and, and, and talk about the Eastern Conference uh, game one today. But uh, let's stay in the West. And uh, so tomorrow, which is, a, which is a Monday night, the show won't air till Tuesday. But uh, tomorrow is game one between Denver and Phoenix. Um, I think this one is going to be a great series. I would slightly, obviously, favor Phoenix in this. Um, but I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, because I think one thing that uh, could create some issues for Phoenix, and I don't know if a lot of pundits or people have looked at this, um, but that is a very lanky Denver team. Um, and there are a, a lot of size matchups that I feel favor uh, Denver a bit uh, in terms defensively. I feel like they've got a lot of uh, a, a lot of guys with size and wingspan uh, that can can maybe rein in Booker. I realize that's a big challenge, uh, and I realize a lot of that is going to fall to um, possibly Porter and or possibly Gordon. Um, but I feel that uh, defensively, um, Denver Denver might be able to do some things. I mean, we they they had you know uh, six games of practice so to speak against dame lillard um they're gonna have to apply that you know even even though dame got his they're gonna kind of have to apply that same defensive mentality i think with booker in the sense that you just he's gonna get his you're gonna kind of want to rein him in sort of but then just make sure you lock down on everybody else um and then of course you know at, at point guard um you're gonna have you're gonna have cp Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, I want him to be healthy in this series, so hopefully he's healthy. Uh, but you know that a lot of that is going to be Morris and possibly even Austin Rivers, um, who will have a size advantage there. Um, and then there's Jokic and everything else that goes along with it. Obviously, if Jamal Murray is there, this series takes it on a completely different look. Um, but you know, you, you don't know if other people for Denver would be playing as well if Murray was there. You don't know if Porter and um, Gordon and, you know, maybe Rivers wouldn't even be the, on the team. So um, this is what it is for Denver right now. Um, I think two very exciting teams. Um, again, I would slightly favor Phoenix in this. Um, with the hand that Denver's been dealt, I, w- I wouldn't say if they lost, I wouldn't say it was a wasted season. Um, but it also wouldn't shock me if Denver pulls the upset here. Um what are what are you thinking about the series? Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to when these two teams tip it up? I uh, so we just saw Denver beat a team with an elite point guard mm-hmm. and a really good uh, two guard in CJ McCollum, mm-hmm. like great. 
uh, two guard in CJ McCollum. Yeah. <clears throat> Nobody's. Uh, I mean, like, like Austin Rivers and I, I guess there are other starters like Facundo Campazzo. Yep. Whoever that guy is. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, but, hey, hey, I even I even got to look him up sometimes. So that should tell you. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it, mm-hmm. it, it's funny that um, and Chris Paul and Dame completely different games they have. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but you got to think like um, uh, Devin Booker is far far more of an upgrade of than CJ McCollum is. Yeah. Um, but CJ could still he's still a scorer. Point is like mm-hmm. they're not worried about it. The question really here is can Phoenix's uh can the Suns' uh front court handle uh the league MVP and uh Michael Porter Jr., who is just emerging as a monster. Uh yeah. You know, when you got a six foot ten two guard, sometimes it puts yeah. two. I'm like, what is happening that, here? Like, yeah, this guy, it, it, it's ridiculous. And unfortunately, you know, Aaron Gordon is is that uh, athletic enough wing player. You know what I mean? That learned how to play defense. Yes. So, and he left Orlando, so of course he's going to be successful now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So honestly, you know, I, I really think it's, I think it's Denver's uh, series to lose. And um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens here. I, I know I, the Suns were what number two? Who was number one? Denver uh, was number one, right? No, no, no. Denver was three. Um, Denver was three. Utah's one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Utah's yeah. one. That's Utah's right. One. Yeah. No, I uh, I really yeah. I think Denver's. I think Denver really has this. But it's, um, it's going to yeah, be interesting we'll because again, they they are a uh, Phoenix is you know it's it's. It, 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 it's an, they're an up and down team, but so is Denver. And then again, like you said, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to try to find an answer for Jokic. Um, but on the same point, on the other side, you know, Phoenix likes to to put up the threes, and I, I mean they were shooting threes in in record numbers. And I think though the length could be a deterrent and could be a disruptor. Um, uh, Denver's length could be a, a disruptor or a deterrent for for the three point shooting. We'll see how that all plays out. Um, I can say one thing as well. Um, the Denver won't roll over and die like the Lakers did. I mean, essentially, the Lakers just rolled over and died in that series. And Mike yeah. Malone is an incredibly better uh, in-game adjuster than Frank Vogel. Uh, yes. So, I mean, Frank Vogel couldn't make an in-game adjustment if his life depended on it. Uh, no. Where Mike Malone, you can see that quarter. You can. We talked about earlier that playoff basketball is about quarter by quarter adjustments. I mean, you watch any Denver game, and we saw it even last year when they were down in series. Um, Malone literally makes the changes that he needs to make quarter by quarter. So it's going to be an interesting series. Um, well, we 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 shall we shall see. Um, let me ask you this. So, so while we're in the West, so we've got we're we're, we're going to have uh, Clippers Jazz and, and we're going to have Denver Suns. Are, are you thinking it's going to be Clippers Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals? Or I could, uh, I mean, if it's not Clippers Nuggets, then I mean, man, I, could you imagine the NBA having either Phoenix or Utah? Like, no, I, mean, I get it, for pure basketball fans, they're like, exciting like, teams, but it wouldn't be good for the finals. No, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I just something tells me, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be either uh, L.A. Uh, either L.A. or the Clippers or uh, or Denver, mm-hmm. and, and and then from those two, I mean, that's gonna be tough. If if the Clippers don't pull this out, if it, I mean, 
especially with the Lakers out of it. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! I think that it doesn't matter if they if they would have gone out in the first round or anything. If the Clippers lose, period, it's a wrap for them. I I mean I kind of feel that way too. I I do I honestly do kind of feel that way. I don't feel again this this temporarily saved them and maybe this will right the ship. But yeah, I mean I'm 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 kind of. I'm I'm kind of with you, and and you know what? So it's like if you don't do it this year, even if you don't beat Utah now, I feel like you fell short. You fell short again. And granted, you can say, oh well, you know, Utah was the number one seed, so we we should have we should have lost to them. Um, but no, you shouldn't have. Um, but there too. Then so then what do you do? You know, you, you okay? You're gonna blame you're gonna blame the coach again. Uh, you did that last year, so okay. So you fire yep, Ty, exactly. you fire Ty. You fire Tyrone Lou. No great loss there. I'm sure you can find another. <laughs> Tyrone Lou's coaching doesn't impress me either. So exactly. I'm sure I'm sure you can find you know something. But there again, how how at what point is it you know okay, um, PG you're not delivering. Do you keep uh, does Kawhi stay? Do you keep you know or or if if he did, Kawhi you know, stays, they does trade he... PG. Yeah, that, that's what it is. They're gonna, or they keep both of them, and they literally just. Or, but does then Kawhi, or if this does blow up, does Kawhi take the option then and go to like go to a Miami or a Boston or you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's just a lot. The mm. fact that the fact that this is an option year for Kawhi, I think, has to be like really scary for the Clippers. But now, granted, this this man, he wanted to be the king of LA. I also feel like it's a huge it's a huge mark on him if he spends two years there. And then takes his ball and goes home. But you know, who knows? They trade, they trade PG for Dame Lillard. I mean, I don't think That's Dame Lillard would mind that. Crazy. I don't think Dame would mind that at no, all. Poor no. Dame Lillard. Um, I think the Lakers are going to try to go after Dame. I you don't know, know how, but there, there was the, there was the one game uh, where Dame Lillard had like I don't know some he was in the forties or something, and he like played basically carried the entire team. Um, and I was making the joke saying if I were him, I wouldn't have let anybody on the bus ride yeah, back to the hotel. Dude, they would have all had to walk. But I you also, mean like when he dropped fifty five? When he dropped that's what it was. When he dropped fifty five, there was a there was just a meme of him saying and he's like, It doesn't matter, we lost the game. And I was like, and this was the moment that Dame Lillard realized he still has Carmelo Anthony on his team and Carmelo Anthony is Mr. First Round. Yep. <laughs> and he will never get out of the first round. Carmelo, no matter made, how many points he scores. Carmelo, they made one Western Conference final. He got out of the first round twice. Yeah. Uh once yeah. with Denver and then once, once, the once with your Knicks, yeah. yeah. Um but you know, he's he's had like 12 playoff appearances yeah, and only bad. been out of the first you know when you when you look at when you look at the vaunted class and the fact that he was put up there with lebron and wade and everything else when you start to look at their playoff records mm. and then you look at his you're like yeah on, i mean but they i mean different they've played with so many just far better coaches and far better players i mean denver denver was a shot and you got to think about it they still had uh Kobe was, <laughs> yeah. was 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 running shit, you know, yep. in, in LA. So it's uh, out yeah. west. So it, it's yeah. uh, it's tough. It's uh, it's it's always it is it is always tough out west, and we're we're seeing that uh, this year for sure as well. Um, let's go back to the east. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It, it it I did save this a little bit for the last because I, I you know, I don't want to make you talk about Atlanta. They're not that good, bro. They're <laughs> let's not that's all I gotta say is they're let's, not that good. Talk. They're not this good. They're not. <laughs> they're not that good. 
They're not. They 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 put up forty two points in the first quarter. That's what I forty two points in the first quarter. The Phillies twenty seven. They they buried themselves in a hole. Uh, so, uh, so let me. Not that good. Uh, <laughs> okay. 20 128 124 Atlanta steals game game one uh I should probably mention for those who may not have be following along uh Atlanta steals game one from Philadelphia uh after they um we'll call it a gentleman sweep of Saul's New York uh, man. <laughs> uh, um but let me go ahead let me give you the quarter by quarter score because I do think that's important and it, it may it may a little bit into your not good theory but um, first quarter, you're right, Sal. Uh, 42 points. Uh, Hawks had 42. Philly 70. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers 27. Second quarter, 32-27. So the the gap narrowed there. Um, that went to Atlanta. Third quarter, 25-29. Philly. Now remember those first quarter numbers that I told you, 42 to 27, right? Fourth quarter, Atlanta 29, Philadelphia 41. Too little, too late. How did Atlanta almost blow this game? Too little, too late, because they're not that good. And because, like, Joel Embiid is really good. You and, got it, uh, right? He's and, playing with a torn, and, with a and slightly so, torn meniscus or something okay. crazy. So I will say this, because I, I said this today. I said, I got to give him props because he is notorious. And this is back from his Kansas days as well. He is notorious for not playing on an injury. Um, so I did not think he was going to be out there today. Not only was he out there, but 39 points in 38 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, he is doing everything that he can to try to will this team into the finals. If he is healthy, and I said this from the beginning, um, if he is healthy, I felt like Philadelphia was going to sweep their way right into the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I, I, I I felt they were going to, you know... Washington would have never won that game if he was playing. So that would have been a sweep. And then, you know, no matter who they got, and, and sorry, I'm, I don't mean to rain on your Knicks parade, but no, I felt no, that no right. matter who you're they got, right. New no, York or no Atlanta, with a healthy Embiid, they were going to sweep their way in. Yeah. Um, this was a Herculean effort today by Atlanta. Um, and it almost wasn't enough. Now, it was enough, but it almost wasn't enough. Um, Blame Ben Simmons. <laughs> Right. Three for ten from right. the line. Blame Ben Simmons. Right. Because also, he makes also, the free throws. Doc, and I love Doc, right? But Doc realizes, like, so in the scenario uh, in, in the, the, the game that DC won, and they kept fouling him and sending Simmons to the line, like, Doc realizes he could pull him out of the game, right? Like, he's not that much of an offensive asset in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you can pull him out of the game. You don't have to continue to allow him to go and miss free throws. It's uh, it, I mean, it's I don't, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Dell Harris and other coaches have dealt with this when they coach Shaq, right? Like you could, you could, you could pull him out of the game instead of you know when it was Hack a Shaq. Um, I just you know, Doc Doc was riding with him the other night, and and I guess you know same thing. I mean, today at least it wasn't a scenario where they were you know sending him to the line at the end again but i'm just like i he's gotta do he's gotta do more right like i don't know seth curry had 21 yeah seth curry at 21 right five for nine from three 21 tobias harris 20 
I'm gonna say that's probably pedestrian for Tobias Harris the way he's been playing. Um, well, he's he's but, a pedestrian player. That's why he hasn't I mean, been at All Star team. You're, you're right. You're right. Um, that is. That's an that's, a, that's, a, that's another. That's, hey, that line hey, is a Tobias Harris. Hey, line. Another, but but another but another former Magic player who's yeah, doing exactly who's doing well player. in the playoffs. I'm telling you, if could, if the Magic would have kept uh, <laughs> would have kept like. Four of the guys that they got. I mean, <laughs> keep Tobias, keep Victor Oladipo. You know, oh, keep Paolo Quinn. Keep Martin it's, Gortat. Uh, you know, and Vooch. Like, forget it. Yeah. I mean, man, whatever. Um, they, I, I so, um, I think I, I will give I will give Doc credit in the sense that if if I'm gonna knock him for certain adjustments, um, I will give him the credit that uh, putting Tabuli. Putting Tybuli in the game yeah, Thibel, and putting Thibel. Thibel, sorry, Thibel. I like Tybuli better. <laughs> putting, I'm getting like I'm getting like Charles Barkley now. I'm just naming. Yes. Uh, putting putting Thibel or Tybuli as like, putting Tybuli in the game um, slowed down Trey. It definitely took away some of some of the heat that Ice Trey had. Um, so a good adjustment there, and that seemed to be when when Philly got back into the game a little bit. Um, I mean, you saw the Nets. I mean, you saw the Hawks firsthand. You watch. I'm assuming you watched every game of your playoff series. Uh, um, unfortunately, uh, are they? Are they? So, are, are can they're, they continue to shoot like this every exactly. game? Exactly. Thank you for saying that. I was going to say they're hitting their shots. They're hitting mm-hmm. their shots. I mean, like you got you got uh, Boyanovich. Uh, I mean, whatever. Five for twelve from from three point. Like, who's letting them? Who, they they have to close out on these on 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 on, on the three point line. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not closing out on the three point line, you're gonna get murked. Like all yeah. three for four, John Collins. Can somebody run John Collins off that three point line, off that four <laughs> three? How does he go wide open all the time? Like it's it blows my mind. And then obviously Bogdanovich, like I said, five for twelve. Th- Trey Young, four for eleven. I mean, I wouldn't want him shooting that, but whatever. It's yeah. Like, just because you just because you like you have the range doesn't mean like. You should always shoot it. I don't know if that makes sense. Agreed. No, it does. It you does. know what I mean? I don't know. And I, I don't know. I mean, you're he drops 35 and he's still minus 11. Yeah, I mean, you're you're allowed a heat check every once in a while, but yeah, I mean, sometimes some of the ones he was pulling up for um, is, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. John Collins, uh, 21 points. I didn't good, even realize. Bro. They're not that good. I can't believe this. Like Trey Young isn't that guy. What about Clint Capella? Who? who? <laughs> Eleven and ten, Clint Capella. All right. I mean, and I mean, you know what? Whatever, man. Props, props to him for backing it up. I can't say anything because they beat they beat the Knicks in the first round. But if I'm telling you this right now, they, they only they only won that first game by two points. That that ridiculous. I mean, Trey. Oh God, it was just so <laughs> stupid. If if the Knicks would have won that it would have been a completely different series like i i mean i'm telling you oh god i i it's all it all goes back to game one for me they should you not had have a, lost game one you, you you had a good season uh, <laughs> no it doesn't help right now i but. know i know hey whatever it is what it is it's fine we uh yeah we have something to build on we've got a good foundation it, yeah i agree for sure so i, I, I I'm, I'm satisfied with that um so, who do you see in the Eastern Conference Finals? 
man, listen, if G, I'll tell you this, if G honest, if the Bucks don't make it out of there, it's over for it's over for that team. It's over for that team. Yeah. But it's 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 got to have to be the Nets, from what I saw. Yeah, I can't. I I just I you know what you you know you've sat next to me long enough to know it. I mean, sometimes you can throw me all the stats that you want and you can give me all stacks of papers and everything else, but it's the eye test. And I just sat and I watched the game last night and I was like, this team is playing scared and you can't do that against the nets. Like you can't, you can't play scared against the nets. You have to step up. You have to play them physical. You have to knock them down. You have to get in their head. When a team is that good, Sal, when they're that good, what do you, you have to try to frustrate KD. You have to try to, uh, listen, sometimes we don't know what planet Kyrie is on. So that's the perfect person that you want to get in his head. Like I would you, get you, to their <laughs> arena before Kyrie and start burning my own <laughs> Right? Like, and like, look I'm, right I'm, at him while I'm you, doing you, That is a team you don't want to play timid against and you don't want to play. It's just not going to end well for you. And I mean, we saw that in, in, in game one. And I think, to be honest, for me, that was all I needed to see. Maybe they prove me wrong, and I kind of hope they prove me wrong, and I kind of hope this is a series. But I, I just have very little faith right now. If they just if they keep Giannis and Brooke Lopez and plan them down low and let them just clear everybody out with their broad shoulders and just like get some quick little hooks and layups, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if they dominate down low, they will beat the Nets. I agree with you, but I don't. I don't know if. I, 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 if they dominate the paint, they will beat the Nets. If they get offensive rebounds, I agree. Yes, they yes. will beat the Nets. Like that's, yes. that's just it. You have. But I have to... no confidence that's gonna. Ha- I have no yeah, confidence they're gonna right. make that adjustment. So you're absolutely right. I, I, Lopez I, averages maybe four <laughs> rebounds a game, and I, I, I'm with you. But um, you know, I just. And then, in the, I mean, I, am yeah. I to am, am I to assume you want Philadelphia to win the other series? I would love Philly to come out of there, but it's just uh, I would love Philly to come out of the East. But Joel and beats hurt, and that's yeah, gonna that's going to be tough, man. That that's 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 it. I mean, he looked great today, but how much you know? Cortisone, how, can he take in that? How, how much exactly? <laughs> exactly, and um, you know, I've I've been there. I've had that same injury. It does click. It does lock. You know, I've I've same position. I waited to have surgery until I was actually while I was out in Kansas, and I didn't want to have surgery till I got home to New Jersey. Uh, and I was having the cortisone shots, and you know, I wasn't playing basketball, obviously, but there were still times where you. You know, and we're talking again, we're talking about a guy that's like seven foot, 300 pounds. A lot of people forget that a lot. You know, we joke and even even being a Jayhawk, you know, we, we call him Mr. Glass sometimes. But it's a lot different when you're, you know, like my, you know, six, six foot, uh, 150 pounds and you, yeah. you you go down that versus when you're seven foot, you know, almost 300 pounds and you go down, you're going to get, you know what I mean? You're more often than not, the, the bigger guy's going to get hurt in a, mm-hmm. in a fall like that. Um and I just, to your point, the cortisone will work and it worked great today, but you know, by game three, four, is that cortisone still going to have the same effect? Is the knee going to hurt? Is the swelling going to get worse? Like, and that's what I think then just becomes the issue. Great game today, but if he needs to do that on a consistent basis, which clearly he had a great game, to, great game today and they still lost. So he's going to need to have a great game for them to get the W's. You know, can he do that if nobody else on the team is really going to step up? I'm looking at you, Ben Simmons, um, and mm-hmm. help help him out. So that's it'll my be, fear. It'll be interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's my fear there when it when it comes to that series. Um, 
Before you forget, mm-hmm. I told you so in Boston. See, and I, it's like you can read my mind because that's where I was going. I was, I was wrapping up, I was wrapping up the Philly thing, and and uh, let's be honest, one of, I mean, just I also love talking to you, and it's fun to talk to players. But like the main reason why I contacted you this week was because I was like, you called it because last time you were on the show, I was saying how something's not right in Boston, and uh, you know, I, I I will say I was not shocked when Steven said that uh, you know he hasn't had a passion for coaching because it was self evident. I mean, all you had to do was watch a game and see that Brad mm-hmm. Stevens was not into coaching this team. Um, and, you know, so, but you you put the blame, you put the blame squarely on Danny Ainge. And you said he made a, a lot of, of bad, for as many good decisions as there were, there were more bad decisions and a lot of key role players. That was one of the things that you said. He let a lot of key role players go. Um, so again, to catch everybody up to speed, now changing of the guard in Boston, Ainge out as GM. Uh, um, do you do you buy the whole mutual thing? No, mutual I, parting of ways. Do you buy that? Absolutely okay. not. Okay, I, 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 it, it's, okay. A, it, it's definitely a fourth. Listen, you had Kyrie Irving there for two seasons. Uh, he was hurt a lot of the time. Uh, Gordon Hayward was hurt. Whatever it didn't show. But listen, you the, the when oh man, I don't even know how to say this um, <laughs> because like as much as I said uh, he let key role players go and that was such mm-hmm. a big uh, downfall I I didn't I understated how much of a culture change he had been going on within that team especially with mm-hmm. the new blood coming in like uh, Jalen Brown for example someone as, as smart as he is and as educated as he is and as vocal as he is when it comes to uh, um, like you know just uh, social issues and civil mm-hmm. rights and things like yep. that um, you know, same with like Tatum. And then, you know, it's funny, you fast forward all the way to now. And then you hear Kyrie say that comment about coming back to Boston. And he hopes that it's, you know, it's not a race. Everyone, you know, it's hope, hopefully no racist incidents happen there or anything crazy. And well, guess what? He got a bottle thrown at him. He won. He, yep. he called it. Um, yep. And then you hear, well, to, you know, uh, leading up to that, you hear Danny Ainge say, "I've never heard anything like that in my in my career." Oh, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is on crack. Dude, I mean, it, and that's, I love, you know, that's I love, what I'm saying. You, that, you know, I love I love the city of Boston, and I'm a longtime Red Sox fan. But they're a racist city. I mean, yeah, it, it it's been it's, it's so been documented. Bad. So that they, they had an incident a couple of years ago with the Red Sox, where people in the outfield were 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 yelling, yelling at Adam Jones from yeah. the Orioles. David yeah. Price, when he played there, called <laughs> yes. it out. Yeah, yeah. And he was a yeah. player for the Red so Sox. So Danny Danny Ainge should have just kept his mouth shot on that one that was I just mean, that. bill russell called that place <laughs> a, a flea market of racism yeah, while he yeah. There. like yeah. the thing is specifically these stories come out specifically about boston you know yeah. what i mean like it's it, so anyways that whole thing it made it led me to believe like man it was a lot more than just getting rid of these key role players and, and mm-hmm. these guys but at the same time i think a lot of these guys just didn't want him around anymore because they're like yeah. you know what this guy this guy's a little funny and, well, it um, starts to make you. It starts to make you think that maybe that's where the. I mean, I I kind of feel like maybe Kyrie would have opted out anyway, but it makes yes, you feel like so. makes yes. you feel like that had a little bit more to do with it. Yes, the way he bro, I'm, it, exactly. So, it, you know, all right, Danny Ainge, get him out of there. It's funny because they still keep, you know, and and I'll say it, you know, I'll take the, the 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 blame for it if I'm wrong, but they still keep their little good old their good good old boy system where yeah. Brad Stevens might be just not as vocal about it as uh, yeah. Danny Ainge, you know yeah. what I mean? But not, but it's okay because he's younger and, and whatever, maybe he fits with the culture of the guys. But 
I, listen, all I'm going to yeah. say is when he brought Gordon Hayward in, it wrong of like uh, Urban Meyer bringing in Tim Tebow, you yeah. know, for the tryout. Well, like, and, and I think he want. I think he, I, I don't know if he wanted to create another him or another Larry Bird. Like, I don't know if exactly. I, when he brought in, when he brought in Hayward, I don't know if he wanted to create another Danny Ainge or another Larry Bird or maybe some hybrid of that. But I agree with you on that. I feel like that was definitely a, a great white hope type maneuver. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, man, whatever. The basketball gods are the basketball gods, but we saw what happened his first game there. <laughs> I hate to say that. I'm not wishing <laughs> injury on anybody or anything, but it's funny, you know what mm. I mean? Little things like that are funny. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. I wonder what, like, what's going on when they had, like, a solid. They, they had kind of a solid-looking squad already, you know? Like, do you, do you think looking, looking now? Obviously, you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're looking at things. Um, and again, Brad Stevens said, and it, and literally came as no shock to me. Said, you know, he lost his passion for coaching pretty much since the bubble. Didn't. Um, but I also wonder now, again, you talk about friction and maybe some things. I'm starting to wonder, do you think, again, like, because Brad Stevens was flat this entire season. Do you think mm-hmm. possibly that Brad Stevens didn't want Kemba Walker? And I say that because what happens almost immediately after Ainge is out, Stevens takes over, there's already trade rumors about Kemba Walker. Do you think that that was, do you think that between Stevens and Ainge, there was maybe some friction and that, that Stevens didn't want Kemba so, Walker. So Kemba was there last season, right? Was he? I, 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 I or was this his first season there? No, I don't remember. Might, honestly, might have been because I know the bubble. That's right. The horn. The bubble blur. The bubble blurs for me, quite honestly. So yeah, it really does. You know, these seasons like, were so close to each other. All I know is he was killing it. Let me. Let me. Um, you keep talking. Kemba, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can find that out. Kemba was killing it mm-hmm. right before uh, the boss. Right before the Celtics signed him. And I'm talking about like you know. Well, so was Gordon Hayward. <laughs> was was Gordon Hayward killing it? Continue in in Utah. Right before yeah. that happened, because I yeah. thought I thought he was coming off a tough injury already. He might have been. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that too. Everything is just so blurry after last yeah. year. But anyways, point <laughs> point is, you know, I think maybe Kemba underperformed, and they didn't get the Kemba Walker that they thought they were getting. Um, you know, that was playing in Charlotte that was having like a, a career so, year. To to your point, Saul, you you are correct. He's been with the Celtics since twenty nineteen. Okay. So there we go. So so there yeah. So So I, I, I don't know I don't know what's going on, but uh and you might be right. Maybe he just didn't you know, didn't didn't want him there. Kemba messed up. Kemba should have came to the Knicks, but that's another story for another day. Well, there might be a chance for him to go there now. So. Nah, nah, I, don't, I don't know if I would want him on there now. Because they they are they are talking talking about shopping him. Um, where do they? I mean, this is this is so funny because it's it's okay. You know, where do they where do they go for coach gonna, now? Because they're gonna, again, they're going to shop him to to whoever has uh, draft picks. Mm-hmm. Trust me. To Portland. He's going to try to rebuild that one. They can send him to Portland. (laughs) I can't even imagine if they send him to Portland for like Dame Lillard and do some sort of package deal. That would be insane. He's got it, right? I mean, Stevens. But see, I feel like Stevens has to make a big splash. I I don't know how he does that. Um, You know what? They send Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown over to Portland for Dame Lillard and some draft picks. Yeah. Um, I mean, they ha- and they have to be sitting on, they still have to be sitting on a lot of draft picks, because they cleaned up on a, on a couple of those trades. I mean, 
I still still have to be sitting. It's almost over. The Knicks are the ones with a lot of draft picks now. Yeah, Yeah. the Knicks and the Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder have like like draft picks for the next 25 years. High-level draft picks, too. It's out of of control. Let's see. They got a... Oh, hold on. I'm trying to see because I thought I found it here, but I, I was wrong. Boston Celtics future draft picks. Let's see if there's anything like that. In 2021... Which is now in this draft, they don't have anything in round one or round two. It really? looks like. Okay. So it looks like maybe they, they have, are coming uh, to oh the no, end. They have, they have round two. They got a pick from the Thunder, I think. It's a okay. Celtics protected top 55 pick or some pick would not transfer because Thunder pick is currently in top 55. Oh. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. In uh, 2022, and they don't have a first round pick either in 2022, it looks like. <laughs> oh my goodness you're right it might be the end of the rope um yeah and then 2023 they got which would be even funnier which would be which would be even funnier if Ainge blew all those draft picks and it was like all right i'm out yeah well no maybe you know i think maybe it depends where they where they uh how, what, where they what finish their record finish yeah. yeah exactly and i think that's gonna happen but yeah that's pretty wild that um, uh, um i don't have anything extra already what uh who, where do you do you, what direction do you think they're going for coach do you think i don't know it's gonna be wild like i, I don't I, I mean apparently everybody wants to hire jason kidd like everybody um with the exception of the orlando magic who probably have a better idea uh yeah um, but everybody apparently that you hear wants to, i mean the two teams so far that have openings uh, well, three teams. Again, we'll put the magic off to the side. Uh, the the two two players who who have uh, openings now are Boston and Portland, and and both of them have Jason Kidd high um, on the list. Um, well, again, he, I think the he Clippers, put his Clippers, out of the Portland. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty the sure. Clipper, the Clippers job could be open soon, uh, depending <laughs> on what happens there. Well, um, that would be wild. The no, Milwaukee job wild. could be open very soon. I don't know if they would take him back or if he'd want to go back. Um, but what I, I mean, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think Stevens tries to go to find a young coach who goes to the college ranks, or do you think he goes, you know, with somebody with a with a uh, a reputation um i'm i don't know if there is some i my hope is my hope is that there is some backdoor deal done already and that nate mcmillan is not still actually interim coach of the atlanta hawks um but if nate mcmillan is actually still the interim coach of the atlanta hawks that, that's a name that i think could definitely be uh in the mix uh again i don't think the hawks will let that happen as to why he still even has an interim tag right now i'm very confused about but um yeah i just i, I keep looking i don't know i don't know where the celtics go here i don't know that's interesting yeah i i mean i, I you know could you imagine if Coach K is, is retiring from college basketball? It's so funny you said that, Saul, because not not that I even think the Celtics, but I was like, do we really think he's not going to take a stab at the NBA after exactly. a year or two? Exactly. Like, I really feel like after a year or two, he might take a stab at the NBA. I don't, you know. I know I, it sounds crazy, but I don't. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the conversations that I've like quietly had with myself. I was like, I don't know. I just think in a year or two he's, he's gonna get the itch and he's gonna take he's done it on every level man yeah. I feel like he's gonna take a stab at it um, so I mean and this is know. just all again too crazy if the Clippers talk, if but... the Clippers job opens up 
it's not like Steve Ballmer doesn't have a lot of money to throw at him. So Coach K is not an L.A. kind of guy. though. I, I agree. I agree. But if there's a lot of money on the line and there's Kawhi Leonard there, those are things that may help. Um, you know, uh, they're two in Boston. Um, if anything is more, is it, if anything aligns closer to where, where did Jalen like Brown go to race the South? Did, it would be Boston. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Did Tatum, <laughs> I'm trying to think, did Tatum go to Duke? Tatum's a Duke guy, right? See that I was just, I was just telling myself that I don't, I don't think so. I want to say, yeah, but no, I, I think, uh, I think we all want to say that he did, but, um, I think Tatum's a Duke guy. I gotta look, keep, let's... nah, there's no way. I don't, I don't think he went to Duke. Yeah, Duke. He's a Duke. <laughs> That's That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're right. So, he was right. a one he was one of those one and dones. Yeah. So he I was, mean yeah. Coach yeah, I don't know. goes back, coaches his boy Jay Tatum. I don't know. <laughs> that would be wild. I don't I don't I, I don't know. I, I do I do think I, I will say this, Saw, uh, I do think it is a bit of a reach for this season, but I'm with you. I think after a year or two, it wouldn't shock me to see him on an NBA bench. It's just the I could just see him that that fit in Boston. It would be yeah. it would be insane. Yep. So I oh, oh, no, I don't want anything anything I want all bad things for everyone in that division <laughs> except the Knicks. Oh god, no. I should go take some bad. medicine or something. All the all the Ugh. you guys are on the come up and you know, you might add a piece or two and then I need some know. some milk and magnesium or something. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody give me some thumbs. Can't handle this. Oh god! Oh, oh god! Goodness. What? Are, what are the? What are the magic gonna do? Um, you go. The magic, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'm gonna say it every time, every chance I get. Sub team, sub team, sub team is somebody that cares about basketball. Please. Sell the team. Don't There's don't move team. them. Don't move them. We crazy. want them. We want them here in Orlando. We just want new owners. We want we yeah. want owners who aren't up in Detroit, Michigan. And don't care about the team. We yeah, also need, I, I don't know if I had this conversation with you. We also need people to stop going to the game because as long as people are going to the games, the DeVos family, they're not, they're not going to make this team any better. No one's Cause they're still the making, Those cause they're still like making tourists. money. Tourists they're still, going to the game. but we need them to stop because they're still making money. Yeah. <laughs> so the DeVos are just content to put crap out and, and continue to get, you know, uh, continue to make money. If you stop showing up, They'll do something. They'll have to do something because nah, they're not going to want to take the loss. I'm telling you, man. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. We need them. We need do. them. We need them to. I agree with you. I'm. I, we need them to sell the team. Um, speaking of selling of teams, real quick, I, I didn't have this on my radar, but let me talk to you about it. Have you been following the situation in Minnesota? What do you mean with them buying the with the, with them buying Orlando the team, City? With no, no, with um the Timberwolves. Oh, with, and A uh, Rods. A-Rod's it's group, like falling through. Apparently. It is falling through, but well, what's happening is now he's selling the team to this to that group in pieces. Um, it's a really weird situation. Um, huh. so the sale may actually go through. Um, but you know the intention is to move the franchise to Seattle. So really, but, yes, but the NBA is saying they'll block that move because they rather put an expansion team in Seattle mm-hmm. because they can get a $2.5 billion buy-in for a new franchise mm-hmm. versus a team moving. Now, the other problem is with, with them wanting to move the franchise to Seattle is that 
and I don't know if they didn't do their due diligence or their homework on this or what the case may be, but in purchasing the Minnesota Timberwolves, they also purchased the Minnesota Lynx, and there's already a WNBA franchise in Seattle, so they would still have to do something with the Lynx franchise um, if they moved the men over to Seattle. So it all looks like it's that part is going to fall apart um, because the NBA is just going to be... which. Also, is funny, right? Like, let we're like, okay, like this is this is the business world, right? <laughs> the NBA. You 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 think you think back to like a few, well, not a few years ago, a lot of years ago, uh, when the Baltimore Ravens moved to, uh, when the Browns moved to Baltimore, and the NFL was like, yeah, our our bad, we feel yeah. bad for this fan base. It's a loyal <laughs> fan base. We're gonna give you a franchise back within the next like five years. You're gonna get an expansion team. The NBA, and granted, a lot of this was under David Stern's watch, but, you know, Seattle left, what, 25 years ago, right? 20, 25 years ago. It's been a loyal fan base. It's been a great fan base. Yeah, the NBA hasn't cared jack crap about giving them an expansion franchise until the pandemic. And now they're like, oh, wait, we can make $2.5 billion on a buy-in? Yeah. and and take off some of that loss from last year and they're like oh wait a rod you want to move that team you want to buy minnesota and move them to seattle no 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 we'll give them an expansion team (laughs) you just you keep them right there and then so the argument has been like okay well you know even if even if a rod moves to seattle and this is what i think is funny about they're like even if a rod moves the team to seattle you know they can look at uh las vegas kansas city nashville uh, as expansion teams and the NBA is like well we don't know because we don't know if we can get the 2.5 billion out of those cities <laughs> and I'm like alright so this is clearly just a power play and, and a money grab um, so I don't know what's going to happen because I would would uh, ask the question and if you have a chance like seriously like check into the story because it's interesting oh, um, I'm, I'm looking at and, it right and I know, now because I, I know Garnett you know getting involved. You, Garnett is getting involved because he wants to try to keep the team in Minnesota he wants to yeah. try to be part of this group with A-Rod, but he wants to try to convince them to keep the team in Minnesota. Um, so it's very interesting, but, you know, you being you being a Yankee guy um, and, Ooh. you know, an A-Rod guy, not an A-Rod guy, but you being a Yankee guy. I don't know if you're an A-Rod guy. You're an A-Rod guy. <laughs> I know. I, I, know you, I know you're a Jeter guy. Most people, yeah. if they're a Jeter guy, they're kind of like, eh, when it comes to A-Rod. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know. uh, but he was, you know, he was a Yankee guy, so I forgot to bring it up to you. But it's just a fascinating story because also just from the – like, I also laugh. At, at the NBA that they're just like no 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 we're, we're gonna block your move so that we can get this 2.5 billion instead uh, and at the end of the day business is business right so I, I guess that's the right move but it's just funny to see the politics and the the, the kind of backdoor maneuvering um, but it's there too now so if you can't move the team to Seattle does A-Rod even really want it anymore does the deal fall through there it's very interesting Man, the, yeah, it is going to be kind of wild. That's wild. I can't believe Aaron wanted to move it to Seattle. What a yeah. clown! And clearly, it sucks for Minnesota because the current owner wants them, the current owner is not going to do anything to advance the franchise. So they need to sell it. What they really need is they really need they really need Garnett to be a part of this group and just convince them to keep the team there. Because otherwise, it's it's bad business either way. If, if this guy keeps the team, he's going to be miserable and he's not going to do anything to make them any better. Uh, and if they sell it and and they're allowed to move it um, again, the the NBA may stop that um or has intentions of stopping that uh then you know no no move to seattle does a rod want it anymore um interesting yeah that's it yeah 2008 that was it the last time the sign yep yeah so they're not don't kid yourself seattle the nba is not trying to trying to reward you 
with a with a franchise because you're such a loyal fan base. Because if that was the case, they would have done it like ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> they would have said like in in 2010 they would have told you, yeah, by 2012 you'll have your franchise, uh, your expansion team. Um, interesting. All. All, all very, all very interesting. I honestly think what happened is I think they saw what I think the NBA saw what happened, and I realize we're just rambling on now. But I think the NBA saw what happened in Seattle uh, with with the NHL and the expansion yeah. team with the Kraken, and they thought, oh, there's an opportunity for us to make some money um, because we lost so much money last year. Uh, so well, the Sonics were a, a, like a, a classic franchise there. They won the '78 title. You know sure, what I mean? like, sure. Seattle, Seattle should have gotten. Seattle should have gotten an expansion franchise a long time ago. Like it is, it is, it is almost not fair that that city has not had basketball for as long as it as it has. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I, I I know you could say you know well, you know you got Portland, which is a, a stone throw away, but it's still not the same. No, um, not at yeah, all. I just. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I mean, I don't know. I kind of want basketball back in Seattle. Uh, I'm not saying that I want Minnesota to lose a franchise uh, either, but I want uh, the Sonics back. I want that green Jersey back. Right. Right. With the space needle logo and and everything else. Remember the, remember the starter jackets? Seattle, bro, Seattle Supersonics had a popular starter jacket for a while. Bro, one of the best when they changed their logo up a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Yep. Like the red in it, like the, yep. the, the weird red color and green. Oh, yep, the crimson. Yep. It. Yep. Ninety six. Yep. The ninety six Sonics. Yep. Oh my goodness! Yep. Right when, day. right when Denver knocked him out of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> That was a that had to been like 95, 94. Yeah, 95, 95. They knocked, I think it was 95. They knocked him out when they were uh, the one seed. Yeah. So, all right, buddy. It's a pleasure as always. Uh, do me a favor and go ahead and plug all the things. Oh, yes. Uh, everybody, come check out my podcast, uh, Get It How You Live with a U. So, get it how and then the letter you live. Holla. And then um, I got my boy, <laughs> my, my co host Ross, with me on that one. Um, I'm trying to think. Find me on Facebook. You can find the Get Out You Live Facebook page on there. Follow me on Twitter if you want, Solly D's. Follow me on Instagram, Saul underscore Wall underscore. And uh, yeah, keep listening to you know my main man Todd's podcast over here. You guys, suckers, if you're not right, <laughs> suckers. <laughs> uh, always, always a great time talking basketball with you. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm, I, I, I'm sure over the next couple of days and weeks um, off air, we're going to have plenty of text messages flying back and forth as these playoffs progress, my friend. Oh, for sure. We better. <laughs> we too, we were in that group. You you and I've got I've got about three other guys that are just we round table just the whole time. All throughout the game. All throughout the game. My phone's just not stop. I'm like, yes, yes, no. It's perfect. I love it. Uh, I, I, I love playoffs. it too. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll, we'll be well and we'll talk soon. Sounds good, man. All right, bye. Later. Hi, I'm Dana, and you might remember me from such random thoughts and best regards episodes as the Great British Bake Off and explaining true crime. Todd is as handsome as they come and has a voice to match. And you're listening to Random Thoughts and Best Regards. Listen to in over a dozen countries on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Go listen, laugh. Over the last few months, I've gone back and I've been watching old episodes of Gilligan's Island. Of course, the sitcom ran from 1964 to 1967 and had uh, 98 episodes. And I... My interest in, I mean, I always liked it as a kid. I used to watch the reruns when I was a kid. They used to be on like kind of mid-afternoon-ish right before the after-school cartoons came on. Uh, It was kind of like in that two o'clock window 
uh, Gilligan's Island sitcoms would run, and then at three o'clock, all the kind of afternoon sitcoms, or excuse me, the afternoon cartoons would start, uh, whether it be Disney Afternoon, um, which was, of course, your DuckTales, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, or um, G.I. Joe, Thundercats, whatever whatever it may be. The, the Gilligan's Island as a child, for me, the, the reruns, reruns, is that a word? The reruns of the sitcom used to run in that like one, two o'clock um, hour. So especially in the summertime, when I was out of school, I, I used to watch them um, before I would, would watch all my cartoons. Anyway, uh, always enjoyed the, the sitcom. Um, but recently, my interest in kind of going back and watching was sparked a little bit. Uh, uh, Dawn Wells, who was one of the actresses on the show, passed away this last December from complications of uh, COVID. She, of course, played Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Uh, Gilligan's Island, for those who don't know, uh, I guess I might as well go ahead and say it, is um, uh, seven stranded people on an island. Uh, they they went for a uh, three-hour tour, and uh, all seven of them got stranded on an island, and uh, they are there for uh, three years plus, so to, so to speak. Uh, on the final episode of the sitcom, they actually still wind up stranded on the island. Um, that was not the intended ending for the series. It was supposed to be a fourth season, um, and then that fourth season was canceled. So we were left uh, with how the third season ended as kind of the end to the series. Later on, there was um, some made-for-TV movies. I believe there were three different made-for-TV movies. Could be wrong on that, um, but uh, in one of them, I do believe they are rescued. Um, anyway, Dawnwell's passing kind of sparked me to go back and watch the show. Um, there's a couple things. Um, what I'm going to get to eventually in this segment is some little-known facts about Gilligan's Island. But one of the one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to talk about this is, as I'm going back and I'm watching episode after episode lately. Um, I'm realizing there were a hell of a lot of people on what was supposed to be a stranded island. Uh, I mean, of course, you have the the castaways, which are Skipper, uh, Gilligan, Mr. and Mrs. Howell, uh, Ginger, Marianne, and the Professor. Those are your main players. But then, and I get it, for entertainment purposes, if you're going to write three years worth of a sitcom, it's kind of hard to do with just the same seven people. Um you know, you, you look at multicast sitcoms, uh, you know, Three's Company, Friends, um, they still had uh, Seinfeld, they still had intermoving and interchangeable parts uh, that kept the story interesting. Here you're on a stranded island, you got seven main players, you got to do something. Um, so I, I realize I try to uh, suspend my reality as I'm watching this, but it is just comical to me how, you know, we, we wind up with, uh, you know, the, the, the Harlem Globetrotters on the island. Uh, we wind up with the uh, Mosquitoes, which is a, is a group that gets dropped off there by helicopter because they need to they needed to be uh, peace and quiet so they could write their new album. Um, we've got Savages. We've got Headhunters. Uh, we've got um, Mafia and Mob people. Uh, We've we've got uh, German military, we've got Japanese military, we've got uh, atom bombs coming in off the coast. Um, you know, we've got submarines coming in. Uh, like, there's just count countless. You know, there's there's uh, 
native islanders on another island that come over by the hundreds at one point uh there's jungle men jungle boys jungle women jungle whatever there's the circuses in town like you know um there's just always somebody on this damn island and it just makes me laugh because where did they go at the end of the episode like every every time it's like okay most of them just went out into the water and theoretically left but i was like you know for a stranded island it's uh got a pretty big population it's not just seven people uh there were a lot of people apparently who uh inhabited that island um so there there's that um and i guess you just have to take it with a grain of salt and 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 uh suspend your reality and just take it for what it's worth um but that as i continue to watch this every time a guest star shows up it just cracks me up that okay again the premise of the show they're on a stranded island it's a deserted strand they're stranded on a deserted island that's the whole premise of gilligan's island they're stranded on a deserted island yet people keep showing up like constantly it just it, it gives me a good chuckle um the pilot here's some little known facts about gilligan's island uh the pilot of the sitcom was originally titled maroon uh, marooned i really have to enunciate better on today's show <laughs> the, the pilot episode was titled marooned uh, and uh, the original cast actually featured two secretaries and a high school teacher. So I could speculate that maybe that was, you know, Ginger and Marianne's uh, characters were the two secretaries and then possibly Professor was a high school teacher. I, I don't know where or when that changed. Uh, the actual pilot episode never air- aired. Never aired. Again, Annunciation, Todd. The pilot episode never aired on television and it wasn't uncovered until, I guess, about 1992 uh, was was when it it was it was first viewed on uh television uh jerry van dyke famous van dyke brothers dick van dyke's brother you, you, you should know if you don't know jerry van dyke you should know who jerry van dyke was he turned down the role of gilligan um and while bob denver did a uh, amazing job at it um i can't help but wonder how amazing or how funny or maybe how different maybe it wouldn't have been a good role but i just i love jerry van dyke uh, i i love his comedy i love his presentation i love his delivery um i think it would have been fun to see jerry van dyke as uh, gilligan but he turned down the role uh the flag in the opening credits if you notice the flag is at half mass that is because the assassination of john f kennedy uh, the flag is at half mast in the opening credits of Gilligan's Island because of John F. Kennedy's assassination. Speaking of John F. Kennedy, the skipper, whose name was Jonas Grumby, and you hardly ever heard that uh, on the actual show, but it was mentioned in the um, pilot, Marooned, and I believe one other episode. Uh, but skipper's name was Jonas Grumby, and as I mentioned, uh, the john f kennedy tie skipper in the in the in the canon so to speak uh skipper served with john f kennedy and quinton McHale while he was in the navy quinton McHale, of course from McHale's navy another sitcom uh gilligan we're gonna go on a name thing gilligan's first name was willie so willie gilligan uh the location of the island is about 250 miles southeast of hawaii uh so there you have it there's some fun facts about gilligan's island as i mentioned i just uh started over the last couple months just re-watching re-watching i just can't get can't get my words out today 
I started re-watching um, the Gilligan Island series, and uh, I've enjoyed it, and I, I, I get good laugh. Um, it's kind of fun to have on. I Honestly, I, I go through the episodes when I'm either cleaning or kind of doing, like, busy work. Uh, it's a good it's a good thing to kind of have playing in the background, um, So and it, it allows me to, to catch up on, on the series and have a good laugh. Again, like I said, just the recurring thing that keeps making me laugh, and laugh is that they are stranded on a deserted island, yet... Um, I have lost count as to how many people have actually showed up on this island. Um, it, it really is is funny when you think about the whole premise of the show and how many people are actually on this deserted island. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of Random Thoughts and Best Regards. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week and taking a little bit of time out of their schedule to listen to me and to listen to the show it is uh, always greatly appreciated Uh, we couldn't do this without you and uh, i definitely appreciate the continued growth of our listenership and the continued growth of random thoughts and best regards so thank you thank you thank you i cannot say it enough Uh, come on back next week for a brand new episode and in the meantime remember tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes stay positive test negative do what you know is right regardless of the choices others make say i love you stay safe stay healthy and be kind to one another don't count the days make the days count remember to look down the side streets because that's where the best stories are and when you come to the fork in the road take it thanks for listening to my dad's show